0: Betty is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be
1: denied this time. At last. And that was hard effort by Tilly that made it happen. NFL. And a foul. And God Bonson. Poise under fire. That's good. Welcome to another episode of Chapel Hill Thrill. We are presented by the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Karabatsis, and I have a very special guest with me today, former coach and football analyst at Inside Carolina, Jason Staples. He also does many things. He is a renaissance man. How are we doing today?
0: Oh, well, I can't speak for the other, other members of WE, but I'm doing, doing all right. Uh, just uh, t- trying, to, trying to stay ahead of the curve and get enough done to, to survive to tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it's been a uh it's been a somber last couple of days attempting to recover. Um which is obviously is where fine. we're going to start off at.
0: This is fine.
1: And you know, this too shall pass as they say. But um if you listen to this, you are obviously a big Chapel Hill enthusiast. <laughs> so, you are very aware that uh what happened Saturday has unfortunately been a recurring theme in um, in the, the Mac Brown era. I believe that's the third loss um, in the last three years where they've been two touchdown or more favorites. So it's a pretty embarrassing uh, identity crisis that they have. Um, I thought it would be this this upcoming week against Georgia Tech, but it happened against the Virginia team that just quite. Frankly, isn't very good. So, um, yeah, just I'll let you go with the main takeaway of what happened. Where where did the heels go wrong on Saturday?
0: Well, um, it basically was all three phases and four, if you include coaching. I think where Carolina came in and just sort of laid a turd. I mean, none of none of the three phases went especially well. And, um, you know, I, I, I sort of finished at the end of the game. My, my first thought was, man, they could have played badly on defense and still been fine if the offense had come to play like normal and they could have played like they did on offense and been fine. If the defense had played, you know, better, like they have in several games and they still might've been able to win if the if the special teams had taken care of business throughout even with the performances that they got from the offense and defense but they got none of the above and then you know there were some head scratching coaching decisions and when you know when the coaching staff in the in the press conferences following you know in the the monday press conferences when they just outright say like look we we screwed up on this and just take ownership of that first of all that gives me more respect for a coaching staff that's willing to do that Second of all, that means that like they, they, they really did. <laughs> right. There were some things that they, I mean, Omari and Hampton only getting four carries in the second half while averaging almost seven yards to carry in the game was, was probably the most egregious oversight. Uh, you're, you're up 10 points in the second half. And that guy doesn't touch the ball, j- j- just turning around and handing it off. And there are just too many of those kinds of things in this game. And and some of that was just, again, they mentioned there were a number of RPOs they had on where uh, it was an option to hand it off, but they let Virginia kind of game them up front. And so they, they got gamed into throwing it. And then they, for whatever reason, Drake was just a little off on his location compared to normal in this game. And then a couple of his receivers may have I don't know if they were that they spent like the earlier part of the day sun gazing or or something but they'd had they seemed to have difficulty you know figuring out where the ball was and and actually bringing it in so I mean it was it was it you know you you hear this this term every so often but this was I think a a justifiable place to, to talk about the term a total team loss there's no 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 phase of the ball or no phase of this ball game that you could, you could point to and say, well, you know, we, we did our job, but it was them. This, everybody had a hand in this. Now, one thing I do want to go back to, you said something about three losses in the last three years, uh, being a two touchdown favorite or more, and that being an identity. I I do think it's important for Carolina fans to understand that that is a little bit of a myopic perspective, because that is the norm. That's not a unique thing to, to North Carolina. Uh, I don't know if you knew this but uh, I'll I'll just ask uh not rhetorically do you know what the what the likelihood of losing a game in college football is for a two touchdown favorite
1: It's got to be it's got to be in the 40s somewhere around like 41 42 would be my guess It's
0: not quite that but it's it's around 25% So if you're a two touchdown if you're a two touchdown favorite you're going to lose say roughly two out of every 10 games that you play as a, as a touchdown, as a two touchdown favorite, maybe somewhere between two and three. Uh, and I haven't seen the the figures in the last couple of years, but it, it was that when I last looked. So, you know, normally to get it, to get the, uh, the percentage better than a, than a 80% chance, you're going to have to be close to a 20 point favorite, which is about what well, Carolina was a 28 point favorite in this one, which, which makes it worse. But uh and for that, if you're a 28-point favorite, now you're looking at you know five five percent or ten percent, I think I can't remember the, the exact figure. I, I can look this up. Um but the the thing to remember though is that if if you are say a 14, 17 point favorite and you're that in let's say 20 games over three years, you expect to lose three or four of those. Yeah. That's very true. That that's kind of where where things are, and that gets back to you know inside Carolina's own uh, Greg Barnes had I thought a very uh, had an excellent article before the season with something that we've talked about a lot on the uh, uh, on the podcast uh, at Inside Carolina for a while is that for Carolina to take the next step and be a team that really contends, it's it's a big part of it is about beating teams by more. Just in general so that you know if you are a 25 point favorite in 10 games then there's a there's a a non-zero chance that you'll go undefeated right now you're looking at you know there's a chance you'll lose one of those 10 games you know you got a you got maybe a 10 percent chance but you've you've got a chance of going undefeated there if you if you're not that much of a favorite in those 10 games odds are you're going to lose one of them and and that's it's hard for us to understand, but I mean, that's just the nature of the game. There's there, there aren't that many possessions. There's only, you know, on a really fast paced game, like 13, 14 possessions and weird stuff happens. It's an oblong shaped ball and weird stuff happens. So, you know, you have to be ready to do that and you have to blow teams like Virginia out to keep them from doing exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. I think that's a very fair point. I mean, I'm obviously guilty of it. I think oftentimes like we forget that these guys they're not pros. Like it's it's easier for pros to take care of business in those situations. Now there's times that you know the Chiefs have been huge favorites and they might not cover but they're going to win. And I think it's just as fans you lose sight and you're like, "Oh, we're really good. Virginia's not." And you forget that, you know, we're talking 19, 20 and 21-year-olds. And it's like, oh, this could easily happen. And I just kind of want to – this is, I guess, the next point to get at here. Because like you said, it was a true team loss. I mean, the miscommunication on some of the deep balls, um, the drops, uh, the fact that they gave up 228 rushing yards to a team that was averaging like 92 a game. um, It was just an all-around disaster class. So it does go to some performance but from a coaching standpoint did you think it was more of lack of preparation or just a bad game plan or bad execution So
0: I think I think it was a, a bad execution up front right I think there were some things that they felt like they'd be able to do and do well that they didn't do as well as they expected uh specifically some of those drops drops are absolute killers if you have multiple drops they're i mean you they're drive enders right they had three or four drops that were just drive enders guy catches it it's a first down because he drops it now you're punting right so that's just an execution thing Right. That's not a lack of planning. That's not. And, you know, the guy who had the most trouble catching it was Nate McCollum. He had dropped one pass in his college career coming into this season. It's not a guy who drops a lot of passes. So, you know, if you're planning on a guy having, if you're planning on that guy having trouble catching the football, then, you know, you've probably got a crystal ball somewhere that's working real well. But, I think the first part was, was, was really just execution. The part where I think it was mistakes beyond that. And I don't think this is really uh, planning or preparation. I think it's just a matter of, of recognizing which game you came to the stadium with. I think they were, uh, they were too slow to, uh, to adjust and downshift to, okay, we're not like, this is not, we're not doing this well. This is not going well. Let's just lean on what we are doing well. So, you know, I, I play a decent amount of golf. And one of the things I, I, I like to bring that into, into analysis once in a while, it's sort of like when you go to the golf course and you just, for whatever reason, you just can't hit your driver. Right. I've had more than my share of those rounds. We just cannot like, for whatever reason, it just feels uncomfortable. Can't, can't get comfortable hitting it. I don't know what the deal is. Well, an idiot and turns out I'm this more more often than not is someone who or at least too often I'll say is someone who says well I'm not hitting my driver well here I'm going to hit it again and just try to try to get it right this time you know you're on hole 6 and you've hit th- two out of bounds on the first four holes and you know the fifth one was a was a par 3 and you you birdied that one and then you go to hole 6 and you're like okay let's pull the driver again <laughs> like okay come on dude figure out that like you couldn't hit it on the range. You didn't hit it well on your first couple attempts with it. Pull an iron, put it in a fairway, <laughs> play a different shot. Right. Or, you know, your swing, something's just not right with your swing. Start just hitting your punch shots to just get good contact club up, hit punch shots and, and just limp in and get a good round out of it. And that, by the way, is what, what a lot of pros do. You talk to pros. these are the best players in the world. And they're like, yeah, you know, I didn't have my A game today. So I just kind of had to scramble around the course, not put myself in too much trouble and just try to score as best I could. Well, a lot of good amateurs will go out there like, well, I didn't have my A game, so I shot an 89. And it's because they don't make that adjustment. And I thought that was what Carolina kind of did in this game was, man, like normally Drake completes that. Normally that guy catches it. Well, I mean, let's just do it again. Like, saying, you know, different, different drive. Let's do it again. I mean, they're not—they're not, they're not going to screw it up again. <laughs> and after the first couple times, you got to go. Okay, let's just turn and hand it off and do the thing we can do tonight. And I, that was, I think, the biggest coaching mistake in this game, offensively at least, was that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the course management for UNC would have been give Omari on the ball and and, and British Brooks.
0: Yeah. Hand it off 40 times. Just hand it off 40 times as a team that can't stop the run. They haven't stopped the run on you all night. Just turn around and hand it off. Escape out of there with a 10 or 14 point win. You know, it's ugly, but you've done it a couple times this year. You know, replicate the Minnesota game plan.
1: Yeah, and it's, that's where, it's like, too, you have a lead. You're not Jack's trying to come skating. back. You're not, yeah, like, that's, that's the part that really got to me is, a similar game environment against App State, where it was close and it was back and forth. In that game, you ran for well over 200 yards. This game, same script. If you, if you keep the same game plan as you did against App, you sneak. You might even win by 17. I mean, you're you're just wearing them down. I genuinely can't remember a negative run play. On the night. And they didn't have one. The, 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 the most negative run play was, was for zero yards. It was in the fourth quarter. It's just, and then it's like, there's so many benefits to that because if you do continue to gash them up the A gap, up the B gap, you wear them down, then if you want to take a shot downfield after you've ran it 10 times for 40 yards, that's fine. Then it's probably going to be more open. Then maybe that's when you say, all right, We'll pull the driver out one more time. If it's not there, we'll keep running it. And it was just – it was so, so frustrating to watch, especially, you know, that's the offensive side. The defensive side was like the front seven has easily been the best unit all year. And for them to just get thrashed at the line of scrimmage like that and give up 228 rushing yards, it seemed like – to
0: a team that the, had been averaging 99 a, ga- 99 a game coming in.
1: Yeah, it's like, that's when you know it's bad. They they had 228 rushing yards, and they're still the 118th best rush offense in college football. So, it's like, every time the ball was pulled on, an, on a read option, it worked. It's like, they just could not stick to an assignment. And it was just so aggravating. Like, I... What like what what break it down for the people listening? Why Virginia was just so successful on the ground when they haven't been all year?
0: Well, early on, I thought uh, Carolina was a little bit light in the box, and I thought Virginia had a good plan to basically go eleven man running game and really take advantage of the numbers, and they did a good job of that early. I thought there was some adjustment from Carolina on the defensive side. They started doing, they started stunting a little bit. They started blitzing into some, into some looks, started walking the safety up, you know, at, uh, close to the, close to the snap, these sorts of things to help mitigate the numbers advantage. And yet when they did that, like you said, guys busted. And, you know, so it was a combination of early, I thought Virginia had them on their heels schematically a little bit. Uh, they did some unbalanced stuff. They did some. Uh, uh, they did some formation into the boundary. You know, getting getting defense misaligned a little bit. Did some things that were were a bit of a problem early, and then then Carolina adjusted to that. Uh, and there was a sequence at the end of the game that really stood out to me, where Carolina did a great job of having an end tackle stunt. So they're looping the the, the tackle around in position. I think this is this is basically a stunt where you're expecting maybe a read option type look, and you're trying to kind of screw with the quarterback's read. You're trying to get the quarterback to keep it and then have your defensive tackle come straight downhill and, t- and take him down in the backfield. Because he's reading that end, right? Have that end crash down hard. He's going to pull every time. Bam, you got him. They got exactly what they wanted. Virginia ran invert veer. So quarterbacks hitting right into that spot, holds on to it. And Miles Murphy barely even reaches for the guy. I mean, he just runs straight up field and Murphy's just standing there like he's in quicksand. And it's like, what happened? Because he had an opportunity where quarterbacks just finishing the mesh as he's turning the corner. If he comes downhill hard from there, that that that's a that's a tackle for loss, but just didn't finish uh there's another play where you know don chapman had the edge and he he chased the back like he he came down uh, as though the ball was being handed off and the quarterback just pulled it right around him and you're like dude you were on the quarter like you were the contained guy here there was a guy inside you for the for the other one so just little miscommunications just different busts and i i, I ping i pick out those two because the first two that comes to mind but they were not the only ones. I mean, Elijah Huzzy missed a a, a a follow little uh, little leak from the uh, from the H back. So it's it's the um, it was a split zone slip. It's what uh, a lot of teams call it, where the H back just slips out into the flat, and Huzzy just got lost. Didn't I? Don't think he really saw the guy coming across fully, but turned into a thirty yard play. And you know, it's just little things like that that just kept happening in this game that were really, really frustrating. And um, and by the way, one other coaching mistake I think they made is I thought they should have kicked the field goal on the second to last drive in fourth in the fourth quarter. So if they can cut that to one, and then get your stop against Virginia, then you got a chance to win the game with a, with a field goal. And that last drive feels a lot different. But what happened is they got down they got down there, and. You know, it was a very makeable field goal. It's been like a 38 yard or something like that. Uh, and they went for it on like fourth and eight or whatever it was, or fourth and 12. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was fourth and long. And it's like, well, why not just kick here? You can narrow it to one, you make it a one score game. Now, I mean, you're going to have to stop them either way. So, you know, I guess if you score the touchdown, you know, you can hang on, but you're still going to have to stop them. Or, the, you know, if you don't stop them, they're going to win the game with their score. So just kick the field goal, narrow it to one, play defense, get the ball back with a minute left or whatever. And you got a chance to get down there and kick another field goal. Little things like, again, that was a coaching mistake. And I think that's one of the few times where I've disagreed with the, with the go call on, on fourth down, but on that night, especially how much success have you had on third and third and fourth and whatever. It's not, it's not your night. Just kick the ball so recognize sort of not just the analytics on that but recognize what the analytics are given what you've looked like all night
1: yeah it's the difference if they do kick the field goal um cuz the the way they should have looked at it is like all right they've been gashing us all night we haven't had a we haven't got a stop in a while all we need is one we're due for a stop kick the field goal then you know having to go 40 to 50 yards as opposed to going 75. I mean, it's a completely different, it's a completely different drive, completely different play calls. You're able to, you're not having to force it downfield as much, but yeah, it was like, it gave me flashbacks to a a high school team from my area, the South Point Red Raiders that religiously run the wishbone offense. And they do the same thing every time. And they know, that you're not going to stick to your assignment. They hold, they hold, they hold, and they wait. Boom. Guy gets off his assignment because he starts chasing. And they've won like four state championships doing that. And it's it's insane. Like, you know, just stick your assignment. But, yeah, I think there's just so many things. Like, for starters, they miss Ben Kiernan a lot. I That's that's a, a fact. He... Probably one of the best punters in the nation, and the field position differences with him being out of the out of the equation right now have been pretty drastic. Especially in that game, there was a few really bad special teams miscues. But you know, it's it sucks. um I guess the last question on it. It's a pretty easy one to answer because of the gravity of it and how good this team is. Do you think? That is the worst loss in program history, and if not, where do you rank it?
0: That's a really good question, um, and I'm not sure I'm really prepared to answer that fully. I mean, I think somebody like Buck would, Buck Sanders, would probably be your your historian on this, but I don't know that I'd put it number one. Um, it's, I think in the top five, uh, maybe top three, I I think. So if I were just thinking off the top of my head, the Virginia game back in 96, I think would probably be number one. It was a really good Carolina team in 96. And that was a Virginia team that they should have beaten and they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory there but they were not as big of favorites i don't think in that game that was a better virginia team so you can make a case for this one over that um i think the loss to lsu in the opener back in 2010 should be in the discussion uh because you win that game i still think that 2010 team was a national title caliber team i don't think this current north carolina team is is a national title caliber team i think it's a contender to it's it's a team that can compete for its conference and you know potentially with if with all the right breaks could make the playoff but i don't think it's a team that you know is likely to to win when they get there i thought the 2010 team was a team that probably wins it all if they play in the bcs national title game uh and that depleted team given up two 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 uh non-offensive touchdowns to patrick peterson i think it was two uh that that was that's one I'd put I'd put up there, but that's just because of how good I thought that team was. Uh, and then I think the opener to opening loss to Southern to uh, to South Carolina back uh, in. Would have been what 2015. With uh, Marquise, the Marquise Williams last team. Uh, that one was that one was really tough, too, because, again, I thought that was a really good football team and they had an opportunity to start that year and really establish momentum. And then they, they, they won out the rest of the regular season. Uh, that's a team that probably, and, and they should have, they, they just, just completely hemorrhaged brain hemorrhaged inside the, the 10 yard line a couple times. Those ones would be ones that in my immediate memory would be up there with this one, but I think this one's up there with all of them. And I think you could make a case I, I mean, I I'm not going to argue against somebody who says, "No, I think this one is the worst of all of them." I, I think you can make a case.
1: Yeah, I. In in the long term, there's almost a a benefit to it because I do think this wakes them up for that last stretch of the schedule where it Needs gets to. it gets rough. But I would also encourage fans, you know don't don't get too down. I mean, you're you're going Georgia Tech, Campbell at home or no, Georgia Tech away, then Campbell at home, then Duke at home, then at Clemson, then at state. If you just focus on the task at hand, you've got a chance to be 11 and one to be in the ACC title game. And prove your worth against a Florida State team that's probably going to be ranked second or third by that point. They'll probably be 12-0. You've got a chance to do that. And if you can win that game, go 12-1 and, and have a case for the playoff, or at least you're making you're making a New Year's Six bowl. So I mean, there's still hope. Don't, don't just completely completely bail on the guys i know i know it's disappointing in the moment but there's still a little bit of hope and like you said a lot of things do have to happen but college football is crazy and uh oklahoma looked beatable they ended up squeaking it out texas didn't look great like there's
0: washington should have lost
1: yeah washington should have lost the pac-12 is probably going to beat up on each other anyways then you've got there's three big 10 teams that are going to beat up on each other. So it's, it's and, and,
0: well, interesting question is what's going to be done with Michigan. Yes. So there's some talk about Michigan having to vacate some victories this year. And that, that would change the entire national title race and picture. Um, I'm not sure I'd really be a fan of that. I mean, I, I, because just for the game's sake, you want the best teams out there and you know, it's not like Michigan's going to have lost any of those games that they've played against Patsy so far this year anyway, but um, yeah, I think I, I I'll, I'll be honest. I think if this North Carolina team does finish with one loss, they've got is they'll have a case for, uh, for a playoff inclusion, partly because in order to do that, they'd have to beat a very good Florida state team. And, and that Florida state team based on Dave Bartu's model right now is likely to debut in the, in the college football playoff rankings at number one, you know, they will be either number one or number two in the college football playoff rankings initially on the strength of, of, uh, their, Top quartile uh, wins against LSU and 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 Duke, and then also a quality win at Clemson. So you know you get there at twelve and one. You've beaten a Clemson, a good Clemson team. You've beaten a really good Duke team, uh, and then you beat that Florida State team. You're going to have as good a case as any if you're, uh, you know, that North Carolina team saying, "Hey, look, we we lost one here, but you know, I don't think there's going to be a bunch of undefeated teams at the end of the year." and if it's a, co- a competition among one lost teams they'll have a case thing is it's unlikely given the nature of how college football works and the quality of those matchups i think going going 12 and 1 you know only losing one game the, the rest of the way is unlikely uh but you know again any team with drake may at quarterback is going to have a puncher's chance in every game
1: yeah i think I think this this game this is ultimately gonna show us, you know, what, what are these guys what are these guys made of? Because a loss like that either just is gonna completely spiral you or it's gonna really motivate you to lock it in and be focused on the task at hand. And you know, speaking of that, the task at hand this week is Georgia Tech. Um, I'm sure. All of the heels listening to this do have PTSD about us going to Atlanta. So um, well, I know I year, do.
0: Seventeen to nothing, and then you lose.
1: It's it's a scary, it's a scary, scary sight. It's a scary, scary spot for the heels. What are your expectations on Saturday?
0: Well, I mean, I, I honestly don't know what to expect in terms of how this team is going to come out after this. What you're what you're terming a wake wake up call if they come out having treated it really as a wake up call and had a great week of preparation and and come in, um, you know with f- fresh legs and and are able to to focus and all of that, you know that that's a that's a uh, Georgia Tech team that you can beat and you could potentially beat by a lot, but if you don't come in that way, that's a team that can beat you, so. You know, I don't have a a ton of expectations in terms of like, oh, yeah, definitely, you know, this, this matchup sets up so well. But, I mean, the reality is Boston College hammered that Georgia Tech team in the second half this last week, right? So that's one side of the coin. On the flip side, that Georgia Tech team very nearly beat Ole Miss at Ole Miss and did beat Miami. And so, you know... That's a team that 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 a little bit of it, a little bit of this uh, also depends on which Georgia Tech team shows up. The one thing I'm pretty sure of though is that they're not going to be able to throw the football with a bunch of success. Even when they've played well this year, it's not been on the strength of a lot of uh, consistent possess uh, possession passing. Where they get their passing yardage, it's in chunks. And so this is one where if you're Carolina, you, you try to make sure that they just aren't able to get over the top of you in the secondary. And then you really just try to lock down their running game. Thing is Haynes King and, and their running game. Haynes King is a very mobile quarterback. He's a guy that runs, you know, in the like high four, four range as a quarterback, they've got the ability to do a lot of the same things that Virginia did. Uh, and th- that's what they're, I mean, they've got the blueprint right there. So I expect to see you have to kind of come back and, and, that that Carolina defense is going to have to come and, and demonstrate that they can handle some of the stuff that Virginia threw at them in that in that uh quarterback running game while not allowing free runners down the field. Uh just, you know, cover on those verticals. If they do that, I think they're going to be fine because offensively, Georgia Tech does have some holes. And where they've had success in the past against Carolina, a lot of it's been because they've they've beaten Carolina up front. And, you know, I don't think they have some of the dudes up front. They had a couple of them last year that were real dudes and one in particular who's playing in the NFL now There were dudes up front and they wrecked Carolina's offensive line last year. Uh, I think this is a game where you can come in and play balanced on the offensive line and expect to be able to get some matchup advantages on the outside. So execute and this should be a double-digit win. If you don't, well, you know, we just saw what 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 would happen.
1: Yeah, I think it's like... It's it's really the perfect, the perfect test right after you just failed the quiz. Because it's like you're playing a team who we know historically is going to try to beat you the same way Virginia just beat you. So can you make the adjustment? Can you stick to your assignments? Can you win the line of scrimmage? That's the first question. Then it's like, okay. Not the same group, but UNC, the program, just lost to this team in Atlanta. And, you know, it's – so there's that factor of we need to be awake because we've seen this story before. So it's really like the perfect storm to see to see what they have. And I'm – I'll be honest, I expect a bounce back just because I think this team is really talented. I think they're really good. I think Drake and Mac have said it all year. They really, really like to win, and <laughs> that's all Drake cares about every I would time. Hope so. You know, early, early on when he wasn't throwing for three hundred yards, and reporters were freaking out and saying, "You know, what's this?" And they would just be like, "We're just trying to win football games." I, I think that Drake's going to take this very, very, very seriously, and as the leader, I think he's going to rally the troops, and I think this is going to be a really a really big bounce back, then you've got Campbell. Um, if that's not a, if that's not a win, then then we have to start having some, some real serious conversations. And then you're eight and one and you finish with that gauntlet. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, before we get out of here, Jason, any, any lasting thoughts on, the rest of the Heels season, um, any lasting takeaways? What do you have? Well, one of the
0: main things that I'm I'm looking at the game that I've got circled the rest of the way is the Duke game. So, I mean, obviously the uh, the NC State game, you know, the biggest football rival rivalry. Uh, you, you you have that one already circled, but but that's a good Duke team, and that's a good Duke team that that runs the football in a variety of ways they're really physical on both sides of the ball on the on the line of scrimmage. I mean that's a team that traded blows with with uh with Notre Dame up front. Right? That's a really good uh Notre Dame team on the line of scrimmage. I mean they're not the they're not what they've been uh in terms of some of the stuff on the line of scrimmage, but that's a Notre Dame team that has multiple NFL players on both lines of scrimmage. Uh and that's uh you know Duke was able to hang with Clemson up front and they were able to hang with Florida State up front. And they eventually wore down in in a couple of those games, but that's a that's a team that coming out of this this stage of the season, you really should beat Georgia Tech. But you have to prepare for Georgia Tech understand and and know that when that that a lot of the the run game variation and some of the quarterback stuff that you're going to be facing you're going to face it against Duke again. So you know, you're going to get multiple chances to get this right defensively. Uh and the other thing is that that Duke team is also really good in the secondary and and, and just in in general in taking away uh big plays in the passing game. So Carolina's going to have to execute and execute in the short and intermediate areas really well. And that's what they didn't do very well against, against Virginia. They've had some hiccups on that so far this year. This is a, you know, this is a schedule where yeah, 11 and one is still very possible. can beat every team on the schedule. There are also three, three, you could very easily lose three, three games out of the remainder. And not because you're not a good football team, but because each of the, uh, of the teams that are remaining with the exception of uh, of, of Campbell is a team of high enough quality to give you those kind of problems. So, you know, the, the thing about where Carolina is as a program is they've got enough players to compete with just about anybody enough high level players. And obviously with Drake, uh, an elite player there, you've got enough players to compete with anybody, but not quite enough to be comfortable against anybody. And, and that's kind of where things are. They're going to have to really execute and they're going to need to get healthy, they're going to need to stay healthy over the last quarter of the season. That that's I think an under underrated part or an understated or underanalyzed part in this for a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of people is, you know, this is a part this is a time of year where you start getting banged up and that starts to have impact on teams. And uh we've already seen it. Some in special teams, they they need to stay healthy and get healthy where they're not as healthy right now to be able to finish well.
1: Yeah. And you know, you speak of the health issue, like. That's another reason I have Duke circled because I'll be honest, like it's hard for me not to say that Duke might like, you know, doesn't win that game if Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt. I mean, they Florida State's great. Still a high chance they come back, but I mean, we haven't even really got to see a full Riley Leonard game in has it been three weeks now?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they would. I don't think they would have beaten Florida State with Riley Leonard, but um, and that's just because they gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter, and Leonard doesn't play defense. True. They so Duke had one long drive against Florida State. They had a couple runs bust in the first in the first frame. Uh, that that, you know, a couple long runs, but that was it. And then they'd gotten locked down even with Leonard on the field. Uh, they probably score one more touchdown. I think they'd have scored on that on the on the drive where Leonard was still on the field before he went off think they probably score there and they're up 10 but i think that's when you know that's when florida state started running jordan travis and they ran off 21 straight points and i'm not sure that changes but the point yeah, you're making uh, is a big one and that is with riley leonard that duke team is is i think a top 10 to 15 team that's a really yeah. good football team
1: absolutely i mean you lose by one possession to notre dame the same notre dame team that you know, up until they forgot that you're supposed to have 11 players on, on the defensive side of the ball, had Ohio State on the ropes. And, yep. you know, this is they, I know this isn't the same Clemson team, but you batter Clemson like that. Like you're, you, you're a really, really good football team. Good and team. Riley Leonard is, is, a very, very talented court. I hope he plays because I want to see that Riley Leonard versus Drake May, you know, game. And, yeah, Florida State's just – there's so many ways they can beat you. Like, when Jordan Travis is running, they're almost impossible to stop. You yeah, can throw got, a jump they've ball. Got a
0: year down, they've got a down – Florida State has a gear on offense that – I'm not sure there's another contender, another top team that they've got that gear. I mean, we saw it against LSU when they ran off a bunch of points in the second half. We've seen it a few times. They haven't hit that gear very often, but every so often they'll just, you know, flip the switch and you'll see Jordan trap. They'll start to run Jordan Travis. They'll start to run their whole offense. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, they just scored four straight touchdowns. (laughs) Like, wow. They ran that off really quick. And you know, that's kind of what they did against Duke. Uh, Carolina is, I think one of those teams, if you're talking about, you know, the contenders, that has a that 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 has an argument to make to say, ah, oh, we may not have that gear, but we're close in terms of the potential gears on offense. Because when Drake starts dealing, and you've got you know McCollum and and Walker catching it down the field and all of that, Carolina's offense can all of a sudden look really really smooth and run off a bunch of points really quickly. So, I mean, there aren't very many of those teams though this year that can that can do that. Maybe LSU, another one. There's only a, only a few, not many.
1: Yeah, before, before this week, I thought Washington was one of those teams. Um, And then they laid a dud that I just don't think Florida State would ever lay. Um, well,
0: yeah, I mean, maybe not against that team. But, I mean, that, that is interesting to bring up Washington in terms of they may have that gear. You know, if we're talking about just the top end, the ability to just run off a bunch of points, you know, score five straight times against a good defense. Yeah. That that might be another one. I'm just not sure. The issue with them is balance. They they don't run it quite as well. Uh, and you know, they just duck and Chuck or Chuck and duck uh, a bunch and, um, against a team that's able to kind of take that away and tackle them out at, uh, out there and, and cover really well on the outside. Uh, that'll, that's a little bit, there's a little bit less balance, but they might be, you know, that's another one. Um, not many. There's not many of those, though, you know, maybe four or five. And, and again, the balance that both Carolina and Florida State bring to the table is is really one of the things that those offenses uh, that makes those offenses so good this year.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, the last thing is it's not like obviously I'm UNC fan alumni. So I always want to see the program succeed. But just from a pure football fan standpoint, I just think UNC and Florida State is without question the most fun ACC title game matchup because of what you just said. I mean, it's like two heavyweight offenses just absolutely throwing haymakers at each other for an entire game. Like, it's it's the best matchup. I mean, we've already seen them play Duke, and the only other option is Louisville. And I just, I'm not so sure that, Louisville might be fun for a quarter or two, but it's...
0: Well, I mean, I, I, I was asked this question by from the Florida State side of, like, you know, which of these teams would Florida State least like to face in the ACC title game? And I answered immediately. North Carolina. Because it's... Oh, yeah. it, that's the one team that that if that offense gets rolling can trade blows with you because of what they've got with drake may and tez walker and omarion hampton and, and that whole stable of tight ends and mccollum and you've got weapons that if things start to click now you're looking at a team that can get into a track meet with you uh you know duke i thought gave florida state their absolute best shot and you know they just ultimately didn't have the depth and once Travis started running well you know they're not going to they just were not going to score 38 points even with Riley Leonard Duke was not going to score 38 points um North Carolina can score 38 points right Carolina hasn't been held under 30 in or hadn't been held under 30 in you know the the entire season and then you know you had this last week so you know it's the first time they had been held under 30 all year that's a team that can score with you and you know you get a you get that quarterback getting hot with that set of weapons, and that's a scary proposition. So it'd be a fun game for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that 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 really they use that that game against Virginia as some serious some serious motivation to realize like, hey, you know, we're a great football team, we can win <laughs> out, but we're not like you you're just not on that that Georgia level where you can just not show up and still win. You're just not on that level yet. And I really hope that this is this is now that they realize, hey, every week we have to bring it. Every week we have to be locked in or else this is going to end up being a 9-3 season and it's going to be just kind of mediocre. And that's not how you want to use Drake Mays last year. As a tar heel at all, especially after that's kind of how the Sam House seasons went. So you'd be having back-to-back elite quarterbacks where the seasons were just not up to par. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited. Hopefully they can get some revenge on Georgia Tech on Saturday. And I really, really appreciate you coming on, sharing your sharing your knowledge with the people. Um Keeping it real, uh, I think that's the, the biggest key is not being biased. I mean, just being quite blunt about – there's not really a way you can hide what happened on Saturday with bias. <laughs> but, I mean, I like there was a couple people talking about a holding call, and I'm just like, we're not blaming a game where you're a 28-point favorite on, on a call. I'm sorry. We're just not going to do that. But, yeah, I really appreciate it. Now, before we go – Give the people, give the people your socials where they can find you, what all work you're up to, because you know they'd be missing out if they didn't, they didn't have a Jason <laughs> Staples follow.
0: Yeah, so um, you know the the bulk of my North Carolina coverage is going to all go through Inside Carolina. So if you're not a premium subscriber over there, well, you know, baby, what is what are you doing, <laughs> right? Oh, baby, what is you doing? You know, that's, uh, you, you got to get yourself over there and, and get yourself a subscription and, and, and join in the fun over there. Uh, also on Twitter at Doc Staples. And then um, I, I have another Twitter that's for my other career, other other stuff uh, that's not related to football, depending on what, uh, what's in, what interest is there. Uh, that's uh, at Jason Staples. And then, you know, feel free to look me up on Amazon and buy my books if you're interested in, you know, academic research. But uh, I'm guessing most of most of your audience is not that, but um, but yeah, uh, it's always a lot of fun to to do this sort of thing. Appreciate you bringing me on. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, this is fun.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, nothing like talking football in general, but it's even more special when you get to cover an absolutely abysmal loss. I guess, but well, it, um,
0: but it's but it's been a lot more fun covering this team because it's a team that's up until that loss. I mean, this has been a really fun team to cover. Yes. I mean, what a privilege to cover a team that has that has uh so thoroughly embraced the the uh uh the effort and the you know all all that's needed and has you know players of the caliber that you know you have with a Drake May and and a Tez Walker and an Omarion Hampton and and so many of those you know, Cedric Gray, uh, you know, so many of the players out there that have, you know, really bought in and, and played so well this year. It's been a fun team to cover.
1: Yeah, it has, and you know, there's the ups and downs with that, and you know, even though Saturday was definitely a down, it's still, it's still fun to cover them, I mean, I just don't, like, even even when they lose, it's still such a, such a unique team, such a unique group, I mean, your quarterback's a potential number one overall pick, uh, especially with, Caleb asking for ownership. He might I, be. A, I,
0: I think that was actually a uh, spoof just for the record.
1: I hope it was. I really do. Yeah. I, I think really that hope it was a it spoof was. account. I hope because that would be, I can't see it. He's too talented. Well, he's not too just smart. that, but
0: it's illegal, right? The NFL yeah. has bylaws against it. So, I mean, any of his representatives would know that. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that was a spoof.
1: I cert, I certainly hope so. Um, it's it's interesting though. This is probably the best. Cor- I mean, it is the best quarterback I think UNC's probably like ever had from a talent perspective. Um, uh,
0: if they ever have one that's better than Drake May, I really hope I'm alive to see it.
1: I I do too because that's you know that's a special special player, and we're getting to see Sam Howell do it every Sunday now too. So it's a uh, It really is a good time for Carolina football, and as always, we'll be back next week after the Georgia Tech game. Could be solo, could have another guest on. (laughs) Only time will tell, but you guys know the drill. Stay safe, enjoy the game on Saturday, and keep supporting the Heels.